Hey guys, welcome to this episode of the shit show of my 20s. On this episode, I got to speak with Lindsay and she is a life coach and we got to go behind the scenes and talk about her divorce, talk about how she met her husband and how she really followed her intuition and started coaching and so much more. So I hope you guys enjoy listening. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lindsay, for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk. Um, I'd love to start at the beginning. Tell me about you and what has your story been like so far? Yeah. So thanks for having me, Sophia. I'm glad to be here. I love the title of your podcast. It is so flipping true of how the 20s can feel. Um, so I'm Lindsay Preston. I'm actually out of my 20s now. I'm in, I'm about to be 36 later this year, which seems crazy. I feel like in my mind, I'm always going to be 28 um so yeah so um my 20s had so many ups and downs I feel like that was the hardest 10 years of my life but yet the 10 years that I gained the most experiences um and will have the most memories it was a time when I woke up and I became myself and I just went on this amazing journey it was hard and difficult but it was beautiful in the end so now my 30s are pretty flipping awesome um I have a business that I love I'm a certified life coach and so I help women who just feel like they've checked off all of life's boxes but they don't feel fulfilled on the inside and so I help them find that fulfillment using kind of neuroscience backed strategies and I just feel like everything has kind of come together for me. My personal life is really good, whereas in my 20s, it was not. It was really hard. Um, and so life is really good now. And how did you get into coaching? And what type of, like, career changes have you had? Yeah, so I went to Texas Christian University, which is here in, like, the Fort Worth, Texas area. And I didn't know what I was going to major in. And I ended up taking an intro to psych class there. And it was in a big lecture hall, which is kind of rare for, for my school. And at the end of the semester, they had all of our grades listed by student ID. And so I was able to see everybody's grades. And I realized out of all these, gosh, over 100 people in the class, I had made the highest grade, which was like very unlike me to do that. And I thought, wow, there's something here with this because I never felt like I was studying. I just really enjoyed it. So I ended up majoring in psychology not knowing what I would do with it. I was just kind of following my passion at the time. Um, and so after I graduated, I thought, well, I really want to be a counselor, but I'm tired of being broke. And I felt like I didn't have the life experiences to be a counselor yet. So I ended up um, taking kind of a gap here in regards to working. I taught dance classes. That was always a passion of mine was dance. Um, and then I ended up going into human resources for a couple of years because somebody said, oh, that's a great fit for psychology. And, you know, you can make good money that way. And so I ended up doing that. And within just like a year or so, Sophia, I found it to be, it was an okay profession. Um, but where I saw the progression going, I just thought, Ooh, I don't know if I want to do this for the rest of my life. Um, and so I always kind of had a side hustle in essence. We didn't call it that back then, but I always taught dance at night or I, later on, like I had an Etsy shop and stuff like that. Um, and then I ended up getting pregnant with my daughter and when I was 25 and I had been with her dad since college. So at this point, you know, it had been like five years. And even though we weren't married, we had been living together. And I thought, well, it's not that big of a deal. Um, but it kind of threw my life in a tailspin, in essence. You know, I had been working these 
two jobs for a long time and in human resources even though I didn't like it I was kind of the golden girl and I was like employee of the month right away and all these other really cool accolades and all of a sudden when I was pregnant I kind of left all of that stuff behind and just became a stay-at-home mom um, so it was really difficult for me because I was used to all this external validation up until that point and then now it was like okay, I don't get any of that. And I was looking to my then partner to kind of give me some of that stuff. And um, it just wasn't happening. And I thought, oh my gosh, what is off with our relationship? And I just felt him pulling away. And I just started to get these visions that um, he was cheating on me. And I was like, what in the world? Like, why would I feel this way? Um, and I ended up going to a counselor and the counselor said I was catastrophizing and making stuff up and all that stuff. Um, and I went to therapy week after week for a year and kind of got a little bit of progress, but I just felt stuck a lot. Um, and what had happened is when I went into therapy, like I said, I thought I, you know, my partner was cheating on me and what had happened was he, he wasn't just cheating on me. He was living a whole double life. Yeah. So he was, um, being dropped off at the airport by us. And he would say he was going on these work trips, but really he was kind of going across town and he had moved this woman from California and they had had a high rise apartment there with these sports cars and they would like live the life, um, where I was at home with the baby. And so it was way worse than what I ever expected. And so it really changed my perspective on counseling because I just felt like I wasn't heard, I wasn't listened to. Um, and somebody at that time when I'm going through my divorce had mentioned coaching and I thought it was so wacky and woo woo and weird, but I tried it, I loved it. And I got amazing results within weeks. And then I thought, oh my gosh, this is a profession I've always wanted. I just didn't know it existed. And so I ended up becoming multi-certified from there and built my business. It's a long answer. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you deal with finding out that your husband has a double life? Like, how do you cope with that? Well, it was interesting because it's like I had felt it for about a year. Um, but everyone was just kind of telling me, you know, that I was, you know, quote unquote crazy. Like it just, I was making stuff up. Um, and so I thought, well, okay, Maybe, you know, because I felt off after I became a mom. Like, it really changes your perspective to be a mom, especially that young. Now, looking back and knowing the neuroscience, because the neuroscience shows that our brain isn't fully developed until our late 20s. And so at that point, I was just kind of coming into an adulthood from a brain perspective. Um, so a lot was going on during those years. And I just really doubted myself. And I was really critical of myself. So then when it all all came out to be true of course it was heartbreaking but it was also so relieving because then I knew oh my gosh like I know how to trust my intuition and I need to start listening to this so it was a huge wake-up call and how have you been like tapping more into your intuition since then yeah so coaching was actually something that gave that to me so the, one of the biggest differences between traditional therapy and traditional coaching is that coaching, you're in a partnership versus with therapy, it's kind of like, oh, I'm higher than you and I can kind of tell you what to do. And I know that doesn't sound right, but it's not a partnership. So in coaching, you're seen as, you know, all the answers, you just need to be asked questions to get those answers. And you're taught different tools of like journaling and things of that sort to find your own wisdom 
And so coaching just really allowed me to find those things and allow myself to answer questions and know that if I just dig deep enough, I always know where I need to go. I just need to kind of look within to find that. And what type of certifications did you get? Yeah, so the, the first one is through the International Coaching Federation, also known as the ICF, and that was just general core coaching. So in that certification, you're learning just how to ask questions, listen on a deep level, something that we call holding space. So how you can just create an atmosphere for somebody that they feel safe and secure and they can open up. And then too, just some basic tools of, you know, when this happens, here's how to kind of bridge the gap for that person, or here's how to brainstorm with a person in a way where you're not leading them in a certain direction. That's a big thing in coaching is we never want to lead. Whereas in therapy, they tend to to lead and say, oh, this is where this is going. So like going back to my example with coming in saying, hey, you know, I think my partner's cheating on me. I was led on this road in essence of no, he's not, you know, you have anxiety, depression. Whereas in coaching, they would have said, what makes you think that? And then we would have dug deeper. Well, how do you know that? And, and things of that sort. Does that make sense, Sophia? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that was my first certification. And then the second one um, is called Mindset for Success. So that's the one where I learned all the neuroscience back techniques to really understand the brain and what works for the brain. And I learned a specific process of how to take somebody through something of how to heal some of their past pain that they didn't even know bother them because it's just a neuroscience thing at the end of the day and then how to really discover what we call in coaching your authentic or your true self so that part of you that's like your highest potential and um, has typically been covered up by conditioning from our society which I know again sounds so weird but it's tapping into just again who you are at your core before kind of some crap happened to you in your life so And how do you know when your clients have things from the past that keep on coming up for them? Yeah, so many times they'll come to me and say, uh, like a big goal for a lot of clients is confidence. Like, you know, exteriorly, that's even a word, externally, there we go, externally on paper, um, my life looks really good, but I still don't feel confident for some reason. And so we'll develop a goal around that. So in the next three months, they want to build their confidence from a five to an eight. And we'll talk about what a five means right now, what a 10 means when they're at that number. And then we just start digging deep of, okay, tell me your top 10 worst memories from your past. And, um, which is always a fun session, let me tell you, but it's, it's so eye opening because then you start to see these moments and how they created these beliefs for you to hold you back, be it with confidence or other things in your life. So we all have those moments. We can all sit here and think, what were the top 10 worst things that happened to me? And what's interesting is that I've had clients that I worked with and that I work with them years later, and we'll do that exercise again. And because we've healed the other top 10 worst moments, they'll pull up 10 new ones and they won't be maybe as severe, but because we learn how to heal them, they're not seen as their worst moments anymore. Um, But to go back to your original question, how does somebody know if they have something like that is that if you have an emotional trigger that lasts more than seven seconds, So say somebody cuts you off when you're driving and maybe you get mad for like three seconds of, oh, what a jerk. That's just a normal reaction. But if you're there and you're steaming for more than seven seconds about that thing, that tells you there's something deeper within you that needs healing. 
So that's just one example. If you're encountering any of that in your life, that is your sign to say, ooh, there's something deeper here in my past that's triggering me because it's not really about this moment. What's your favorite topic to coach on? Ooh, favorite topic to coach on. I don't know if it's a topic, but more so an energy. Like somebody, when they're really fed up with something, of, you know, I'm just really fed up with where my life is right now for, you know, maybe it's relationships or where they are in their career or how they're feeling. That's what I'm like, oh, we're going to get to really good stuff because they are in essence a little angry about it and they're ready to do the work to make it happen. Do you think someone has to be angry about something to start to do the work? I don't think you have to be angry, um, but you do have to be you know, fed up in a way. And I just view fed up as like, there is a level of anger there and maybe a level of sadness. They always say change happens when you either have an open mind or a broken heart. And I'm a big believer in that too. Of Like for me, my life had been pretty good up until the point of my divorce. And then when everything kind of hit the fan and it seems like my life was falling apart, that's when I was like, oh my gosh, like I have some work to do how did I get in this position? And I certainly don't want my daughter to be in this position one day. So I need to step it up. I like, I was so mad that it had happened to me and just really determined to not let it happen again. And for your divorce, what helped you through your divorce? Was that like a rough period of your time? Did coaching help you? Yeah, so when I was going through my divorce, I didn't find coaching yet. So it's right after my divorce is when I found it. When, and, and that was a good time, too, because when you're in a really high conflict or stressful situation, coaching isn't necessarily the best fit for you because you really just need to get through that hard time. Uh, therapy can be a better fit. But like I said in my story, I had been to therapy for a year and kind of, you know, week after week said something's off, something's off, something's off. And so actually during my divorce, I didn't go to therapy. Instead, I actually went to a support group at a local church and I would just go there. I would be totally numbed out. I was like a walking zombie. Um, and I would just go there and they would talk about getting through this period and talking about some hard stuff too, of no matter what happened in your divorce, you still have some areas of fault that you need to look at within yourself. And I remember that kind of being a wake up call for me of, wow, what am I doing to create this in my life? Um, and so again, it was just a period of just kind of putting one foot in front of the other and trying to get through it as best I could. Um, it was very, very stressful, Sophia. Like I didn't have a job at the time. I had a very high conflict divorce. So I had two high profile lawyers. Money was flying out the door. I thought I was going to have to declare bankruptcy from it. But that's where I was willing to go because I, I knew I had to stand up for myself and a stand up for my daughter. And there were ways in which her safety was being compromised. And so it's just a very scary time. I mean, full blown anxiety attacks a lot. I remember the anxiety would be so bad. I would have to like get on all fours on the floor and like I would scratch my back just to like release some tension. Um, yeah, it was really, really, really hard. Um, but again, I just had to keep going one foot in front of the other and get through that in a way where I was standing up for myself no matter what. How long were you single after divorce? And like, how did that 
did you have any log like love blocks from that divorce yeah so I was single let's see we technically broke up in like December and then I met my husband the following year in August so I guess nine months so we're really not that long um and I had dated a couple people before that just like a few weeks before that I had joined eHarmony actually and I thought at the time I was like, oh, I'm just going to join this because I want to have fun. And there was a part of me that like just wanted to go out and be wined and dined. You know, you were like the scorned woman who was cheated on. And I just wanted to feel attractive again and feel desired. And in essence, like kissing another guy, like mm-hmm. my partner had been kissing other women. It was like, hello, you know, I wanted to do that too. Um, and I just found myself at first kind of getting into similar patterns. Like the first guy I dated for a couple of weeks, I ended up being like his girl on the side and I didn't know it. So he had a serious girlfriend and I had to confront her about him cheating on her. It was really, really weird. (laughs) Um, And then when I met my husband, he was a guy that I would have never gone for. I even thought about canceling our date. I just thought, oh, this guy is going to be so boring and it's, we're not going to have any connection. And we ended up going out and I just thought, oh, I don't know. We're going to be friends. And it was just completely different. Um, but like you said, what are, were their love blocks? And there absolutely was a lot of love blocks because it, it was so different. It was so healthy that I didn't know how to handle it. I had just encountered a lot of unhealthy love in my past. Um, so it was like, even awkward at first, he would just call and want to talk to me. And I'd be like, who calls people? You know, like I'd always wanted that in a guy, but I deep down just didn't know how to handle that kind of love. And so coaching really helped me. That's when I was going through coaching. And so that helped me be able to, um, accept that kind of abundance and love in my life and heal the things in my past that had caused me to not love in that way, um, and so I would have never been able to keep that relationship without coaching. Cause there were even times I tried to self-sabotage it and then I would have a coaching session and I'd realize, Oh my gosh, this is what I'm doing. And, and become very aware of it and have to go back to him and say, I am so sorry. I'm working through this and this is how we're going to get through it. So now we're at a point where, you know, we don't have those ups and downs anymore, but it took a lot of work on my part to get there. And what'd you try to do to self-sabotage it? Yeah, so I would just, like, be this, you know, what we consider, again, in coaching, like, your authentic self, where I was happy and loving and kind, and um, and then all of a sudden, I would just turn into what I call the witch, which in coaching, we call, like, our inner mean girl personality, so that part of you that comes out of you that is negative and just mean and um, weakness focused and all that stuff. And so this witch would come out um, and just be mean and just say things and just push away um, and just, just like kind of belittle the relationship and make little snide remarks at him and things of that sort to where he would be like, man, this is not attractive and this is not nice. I don't want to put up with this. And how did you meet him? I met him on e- eHarmony. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> Is that your favorite, like, dating site? That's the only one I tried. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the time, so this was 2013, you know, they didn't have, like, Tender or all these other ones. At the time, it was just eHarmony and Match.com is what I remember. And Match.com just seemed like a big 
bar scene. Like you go in and anyone could message you. Whereas eHarmony, you had to take all these personality assessments and you were matched based off um, your personality. And so I found it to be a lot easier that way. And did you know you were going to end up marrying him? No, I mean, I, when my divorce happens, um, I told myself, you know, I'm totally fine being single the rest of my life and I will only marry somebody if it's the right fit. And I made a list of somebody who had these certain qualities and I was like, not gonna do anything outside of that list. Like they had to have that. And that's what allowed me to, to create my husband and find my husband and, um, create a really healthy relationship there too, because I just wasn't so attached to it. Of Oh, this has to work. Um, and even I had a strong boundary with him because in my last relationship, we had dated for so long and we never really got married. Like we were considered common law married. And that was something that really held me back. I think in a lot of ways, because it was like, why aren't we getting married? Um, so with him and I just went in and I said, listen, after two years, if you haven't felt like I'm the one and we're, you know, that we're going to be together forever and vice versa on my part, then I just think we need to end it. Um, and so at that two year mark, we really sat down. We even went through some couples coaching together to really make sure that this is what we wanted. Um, and then it just became very clear. And again, we weren't attached to it. We just were like, Hey, here's kind of our boundaries with things. And it was really easy to move forward that way. And tell me about your podcast. How long have you had your podcast? Um, what gave you the idea to start a podcast? Yeah. So my podcast now is called Become an Unstoppable Woman. And that technically started in February 2019. But before that, I had a podcast called Life Lovers Radio. And so if you happen to find my podcast, you'll see over 100 episodes now at this point, some of which are unstoppable and some of which are life lovers. And Life Lovers, I started, gosh, I think in 2014 or 2015. Um, and so it was back in the day when less podcasts were out there. So when I released it, I didn't really have an audience yet. I had just been coaching clients one-on-one -on -one for a year. And then I was at a point where I was like, okay, I'm going to create an online kind of brand. And, you know, this is a way that I can do that. Didn't expect anything to happen from it. And within the first week I was on the new and noteworthy list and the self-help mm -hmm. charts. And, um, it was incredible how much people resonated with my story, like what I shared here about the divorce and things of that sort and how coaching it helped me. And so from there, I actually got a bigger response than I had anticipated. Um, and so it was hard for me to keep up with the podcast at the time because I had so many clients coming in. Um, so that's one thing that I do regret looking back on it that I hadn't stayed consistent because like I said, there were so few podcasts at the time. I had so much immediate success that I ended up having to pull away from it. And then too, I got married, I had my son, and I ended up taking about a year off from podcasting altogether and then coming back to it. But now the show is rocking. I love it. I have amazing guests on it. I love the content I'm producing on there. Um, it's just flowing and it feels really, really good. And is there anything you wish you would have known before you started your podcast? I wish I would have known, um, how to be more consistent with it. It's <laughs> like, I wish I would have planned a little bit more because again, I just went into it of let's just see what happens and see how this feels and see what 
you know, is created from it. And because I went in like that, which was really cool in that way, I wasn't attached, but I wasn't also prepared in any way. Um, so again, it was just really hard to be consistent. And I wish I would have been able to do that. And do you do solo episodes and interviews? Yes. So I typically do a solo episode, then an interview, solo episode, then an interview. Mm -hmm. And do you notice that one does better than the other or do they both? No, they both do pretty good. It just kind of depends. I notice that I'll end up probably promoing an interview more just because, um, you know, I only interview people who I'm really excited about and really believe in. And it's a lot easier sometimes to be excited about other people than yourself. <laughs> so, and two, I want to respect the guests and really promo their stuff. Um, so, yeah, maybe just on that end, the interview may do a little bit more just because I promo it. And what's your favorite guest that you've interviewed so far? Favorite guest? Um, I've had so many good ones, but the one that stands out to me the most is one I did in January with Dr. Valerie Rain, and she came up with a concept called patriarchy stress disorder. And when I first discovered her and discovered what that term means and all that stuff, it was so eye-opening to me um, and just kind of rocked my world. You know, when you, like I said earlier on the podcast, when you have either a broken heart or an open mind to something, it kind of shakes you a little bit. And she's somebody who shook me. Um, and it was so cool how I got that interview was I found her online. I started following her on Instagram and I was driving around listening to the actual podcast thinking, gosh, I want to bring this woman on my show, but I don't know how to pitch it. And I ended up leaving the car later. saw she had, she had messaged me and said, Hey, Lindsay, so great to connect with you. I'd love to come on your show. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is great. I don't even have to pitch it. <laughs> it was like this miracle from the universe. So it was just really magical and fun. Wow. And how do you usually find your guests? Do you find them off Instagram, Facebook? Yeah, so most of my guests, um, I just find by listening to other podcasts and finding people who, you know, I really resonate with. There are a couple people on Instagram that I'll start to follow, and then I just see their posts. Then, again, I resonate with them and think, man, this, this person's creating some amazing content um, where I just can't ignore them anymore. And then I have to bring them on every once in a while, you know, I get pitches a lot. Um, and I say no to probably like 95% of them just cause again, I have to resonate with that person. Um, and then too, there's also a site called podcastguest.com. Have you ever heard of it? Sophia? No, I haven't. Yeah. So that's a really good one that, that I get interviews from and people will ask me to be interviewed on. So it's interesting the story that you said about how you were like thinking about pitching her, but you didn't pitch her because I've had a similar experience. Um, a couple days ago, there's this guy that I wanted to get on the podcast, but he had like a big following, so I didn't want to pitch him. So I just like liked a couple photos and then I commented on one and then he actually DM'd me. Um, would you like me to be on your podcast? And I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> so oh I feel God. like there's... So I feel like there's some type of mental energy or something that you could send to people and like they could read, oh, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Yeah. Telepathically. Sure. I don't know. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> you know, authentic connection can be really hard to find online. So when you actually are doing that, it stands out for sure. So I bet you if you saw that yeah. in you. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. So tell me about your online courses. Like how did you get the idea to come up with them? Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I kind of mentioned earlier. So the timeline of, you know, me coaching was, um, let's see, 2013, I went through the coaching process as a client. 2014, I went through all the certifications. And then by the end of that year, I started taking on clients. And so really from most of 2015-ish, um, I had one-on-one clients that I was just honing in on my skills and testing things and getting better and better as a coach. And then by the middle to end of 2015, I was like, okay, I'm ready to kind of create an online um, courses and kind of do group coaching and things of that sort. And so, um, I ended up creating a course called the life lovers 21 day challenge, because like I said, my podcast at the time was life lovers radio. And I thought, well, I'm just going to create this really basic course. Someone comes on, they learn a video every day for 21 days. I ask them a couple questions about that concept to apply it in their life. And let's just see what kind of results they get. So I had a beta group of about 150 women that went through it and they ended up just feeling mind blown from it of, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm getting these results. And I feel this way. And I was like, Whoa, okay. So like, I'm really onto something here. And from that, there was such a need for, I guess about 20 of them to say, Oh my gosh, I want more. I have to have more of this. And so I ended up creating my next course called become an unstoppable woman. That was a 90 day course. And we went in deep dive with all their mindset blocks and the things holding them back and doing some of that healing work I mentioned. And then after that course, most of them said, Hey, I want more. Like what else do you have? And so I ended up creating my last course called become authentically awesome, which is another three month course where we go through and we're trying to figure out who they are in a really deep level. We put together something called the puzzle of who they are. Um, so we put together like their values and their strengths and their passions and their purpose and all of this stuff and it, and how they can really impact the world and, and find really deep fulfillment. And so then after that, it was like, wow, okay, now I have this whole coaching process. It's been proven. These women have gone through it. It was a very, again, natural process. Just one of those things, again, where I'm just putting one foot in front of the other and just saying, okay, you guys still want this? Great. Let's do another thing, which is so unlike me, Sophia, because normally I'm very much a planner and like I plan these things out. But again, it just came together very naturally. And so then from there, it's mostly been a rinse and repeat process Mm -hmm. of Um, you know, just having people find me and then saying, okay, well, here's, you know, how we work together for the next seven months. And we go through this process and I'm actually in the process now where it's all going to be redesigned and I'm going to be adding in more concepts because now that stuff was filmed like five years ago. So obviously I've learned a lot more since then things have been updated. Um, so now I'm going back into it and redoing it. It's like, whoo, man, I forgot how much hard work this is. Um, but it's so worth it. It is so worth it. And two, it's so cool to record something once and then have hundreds, if not thousands of people listen to it off that one recording. And how did you find the 150 people for your beta group? So this was back in 2014 again, I think, yeah, 2014. Yeah. Um, so Facebook ads were just becoming a thing. And this was the time too, when I was a single mom. And so I didn't have a lot of money. And so I just said, I think I only spent like $150 or something like that. Um, which is like unheard of now to get that kind of results of $150. But yeah, so I, I ended up on a Facebook ad and said, Hey, I'm doing this 21 day course, come try it. And that's where they came from. And did you do like a video for that Facebook ad? I didn't. I don't think we, I don't think video was even a thing back then. I don't remember videos. 
<laughs> like Facebook Live, I know wasn't a thing yet. So no. And are you doing are you doing advertising now to help you get more clients into your courses? Are you using Instagram? How are you advertising your courses? Yeah. So um, I kind of mentioned I took about a year off when I had my son, and so last year, twenty nineteen, was a year I was getting back into the game a little bit. And because I had taken a year off, I was like, well, I'm not going to spend any money on advertising. I just need to generate money with what I have. Uh, And I got really lucky. A course bundle company reached out to me and said, hey, we want to use one of your courses and this bundle. um, And, you know, you'll get like a cut off of, you know, whatever we sell. And I just got lucky again. Like the way that my course process works, I have to get their email address and things of that sort. So I ended up getting a couple thousand leads off of that that they paid me for. And so some of them went through that course and then said, hey, can I work with you more? So a lot of my clients last year came from that. But this year, I'm going back to ads. And I just recently hired um, an ads person to do online Facebook and Instagram and Google ads and all that sort. So we just got started with that this month. Um, And of course, the first month's always kind of funky. So we'll have to work out the kinks in that. What was your favorite part of your business? Favorite part of my business for sure is coaching and coaching one-on-one. And there was a period of time when everyone in the industry was like, oh, just just develop all this passive income and, you know, develop these courses and sit on the beach and, and drink margaritas. And I was like, okay, cool, sign me up. But then when I did that, I realized, man, I really miss the connection and there is such a power in me and my strengths of being able to see things that people can't see in themselves. And so this past year, I've reincorporated a lot of um, group coaching and one-on-one coaching back into my programs again. And because I just love it so much. I love those aha moments. I love seeing the transformation. I love being a part of that. And what's your favorite client success story? Oh my gosh, so many good ones. Um, You know, the ones that stand out to me the most are probably my first client just because in that year or so, like every day I was on pens and needles with them of like, is it working? Am I helping them? Am I making changes? And so they were on my mind constantly. And the one that stands out to me the most during that time was somebody who, when she came to me, she was just really kind of rough and hard around the edges. And she identified as gay. And when we went into her past, she had had all these moments where um, she had witnessed abuse by a man on her mom. And so as we went in and we healed those things and we changed those things, you could see her kind of soften more. And by the end of us coaching, she started to identify more as bisexual. And she ended up, um, she wanted to leave her profession too and start a side business because she was like, oh, I just hate my job. It's so horrible. I got to go do this other thing. And she also realized, hey, it wasn't ever my job. It was just my attitude toward the job. And so now she's able to have relationships beyond what she ever thought and to have these dual careers of her side business and her regular business job um and just leave a totally different life that's way more fulfilling um so that was one of the first moments where i was like wow this stuff really works and look at how much it changed her i mean it was incredible and what did you find helped her heal her relationship with men so she just had to go in and we we do this process in my become an unstoppable woman course where um she heals those things so um 
it's a process of journaling out certain things and getting certain emotions out and um, then being able to, to get all those emotions out of your body and then being able to heal it afterwards. And I know that sounds very vague and I keep it vague because it's hard to get into the details. That would be like a whole nother podcast mm -hmm. for that. Um, and it's a process to kind of ease into that kind of thing, but that's what neuroscience has shown is a way to get those emotions out so that you can finally heal them and they're not like on repeat in your mind anymore. When's a good time to get a coach? I think a good time to get a coach is when life is pretty stable for you. So like, you know, life is pretty good. Um, if life is bad or horrible, that's a sign you need a therapist. But if life is good, if not even great, and you're just finding yourself kind of stuck in the same problems over and over again, like you have the same dating patterns or your job just kind of constantly feels the same way, you kind of constantly have the same thoughts going on in your mind that you want to get rid of, you can't get rid of the weight. Um, again, just this kind of constant nagging problem or problems that just doesn't seem to solve themselves that's when you're at a good place for coaching. And when you're kind of fed up with it too, of, I'm fed up being this way, I'm fed up at my job, I'm fed up with these relationship patterns and I'm not gonna do it anymore. Um, I'm fed up, you know, yelling at my kids or whatever it is. Um, that's when it's like, oh, that's like the perfect storm for, for me. I'm like, oh yeah, she's, she's at the right place and she's really hungry to make change happen. And what, do you coach on like everything, like life, relationships, career? Is there anything you don't coach on? Yeah, I coach on everything. So I kind of mentioned earlier when somebody comes to me and what happens is they, they find me, I say, go take my free coaching assessment. And so they answer a couple questions and the assessment will kind of tell them, hey, we're a good fit or we're not. So then if we're a good fit, they kind of get um, access to my calendar to get on a free discovery call. And then we talk for about 45 minutes about tell me about life now. Tell me what you want from coaching. What are the things you want from coaching to say it was worth your time and money? And I'm really frank with them of, yes, we can make this happen in the next three to six months or, you know, we can't. Um, and some of the things that we can't do in like three to six months is, for example, somebody comes to me and says, well, I want to lose this amount of weight. I can't really get them to lose the weight in three months because we have to do a lot of mindset stuff first. But then typically after the three months and we've cleared all the mindset stuff, the weight starts flying off. So I'm really clear about that. I'm also really clear if somebody says, oh, I just want to build a business just like yours. Tell me and I want you to mentor me and do all of that stuff. I'm like, oh, I'm not really a business coach. What I can give you is I can give you the tools to help you really determine the best business for you and a business that would be really authentic to you based on your strengths and your passions, um, which is really the heart of any business. I know you want to go out and make money and stuff, but you need that kind of foundation first. So I really don't want to work with people who just want business coaching from me. But otherwise, a lot of people who come to me, they're just saying, you know, I just feel stuck in these areas and I want to break through. Um, and that is a perfect again, place for us to kind of sit down and say, okay, let's develop a plan of coaching and we can make this happen. Do you like to go to personal development events? I do. I haven't been to one in a while though. I always am doing like little online courses here and there. So one thing that's been a big thing in my world lately is the Enneagram. Have you heard of the Enneagram, yeah. Sophia? Yeah. So it's, it, it just came into popularity and I knew about it for years. Um, but when I was building my business, I had to kind of focus in on other ones. So at the time it was Clifton Strengths, which used to be Strengths Finder and Myers-Briggs. 
but now that the Enneagram is so hot and everyone's talking about it, I have been soaking that up for months now. What type are you? I'm a five. What are you? I'm a three. Oh, cool. I love it. I can only do that. <laughs> what is a five? A five is you're a really deep thinker. You're in your head a lot. So it makes sense that I do all this mindset work and I'm on people's heads all the time. Um, and I love to go really deep with people and really deep with topics and things of that sort. And what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Oh, what advice? My 20-year-old self. So am I actually 20? Yes. Sophia? Okay. <laughs> My 20-year-old self. I would say listen to yourself always because where you've taken yourself thus far, like with the psychology major and I was a communications minor, which was like perfect setup for what I'm doing today. But I had all these voices of different people who were telling me, you know, like, go into HR, or go do this or go do that. or, And I listened to them for the majority of my 20s after that, which I wish I wouldn't have because I knew exactly where I wanted to go. Again, it was just like putting one foot in front of the other at a time. Um, but I didn't trust myself. So mm. I would trust myself more. And what helped you learn to trust yourself? I mean, the biggest thing was the whole divorce of like, wow, I really knew this was coming. Um, and two, I had always kind of looked at him of like, he just seemed to have his act together and um, very confident kind of guy. And so he would always be the one that kind of gave me my self-esteem in a lot of ways. Um, and so again, I, at that point I had to look at myself of like, okay, I need to give this to myself. And then two coaching kind of added into that of, Hey, here's how to really listen to yourself and understand yourself. And how did you detach from like needing validation outside of yourself? Yeah. So again, I know I sound like a broken record, but it was coaching. Yeah. Um, cause coaching teaches you how to fulfill your own needs and figure out what your needs are and how you're looking to other people to fulfill those needs. Um, and so you, you claim your power back. And, um, again, it sounds really vague right now because it's a process of going through all that. Um, but yeah, coaching gave it to me. And are there any questions you wish I would have asked you? Ooh, any questions? I, um, Gosh, that's a great question, Sophia. That's such a good coaching question. I don't think so. I think that was it. I think, you know, the biggest thing is I really wish, like I said earlier, I would have trusted myself in my 20s. Um, and because you just, you're constantly looking to the outside world. And I, especially because we didn't really have, we had Facebook at the time. We didn't have Instagram. I think I would have been really distracted by Instagram of everyone's pretty pictures and, you know, them being successful. Because at the time in Facebook, it was like, oh, well, they're already getting a house and they're already doing this. And how can we not afford that? Um, and it, a, a lot of it's just a big old crap show. I don't want to say the other word because I don't know if I can cast Sophia, but yeah, it is. It's just a bunch <laughs> yeah. of, yeah, it's just a shit show. So mm -hmm. it's just like, just, just stay the course, listen to yourself. You know where you need to go. And if you need help finding where to go, that's where you want to hire a coach like me or somebody else to really help you get there. Awesome. And where can people connect with you? Yeah, so the best place is my website, Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, epreston.com. And that's where you can find more about me and take my assessment. Um, I also have my Becoming a Supple Woman podcast. You can find that on any podcast player, including Apple Podcasts. 
And then two, uh, my biggest social channel is Instagram. So you can find me at Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-E Preston over there. Awesome. Thank you guys for listening to this podcast. If you know someone who might resonate with this story, please share it with them. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.